Hello and welcome to the Scribe's Journal. I am your host, the Scribe of Worlds. I am joined once again by the Violet author. Hello, hello. And as well, we are joined today by a very special guest, Lauren Perdan, who is a actual published author, so we're trying not to geek out too much. Uh, <laughs> but Lauren, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and some of your books if you'd like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my name's Lauren Perdan. Um, my author name I publish under L.B. Perdan. And I have one, currently one published, self-published work out called The Black Crow Flies. It's a young adult fantasy novel that came out in January of this year. And then I'm currently working on the sequel um, that will be coming out in November of this year, as well as a couple of other fun little short stories and projects I have in the works. Awesome. I've had the honor of uh, reading Lauren's work and also being part of her beta reading team for the second book. I know Lauren pretty well from past times together, and I can confirm she's really cool inside (laughs) the writing booth and out. So I'm very excited to have her on today. Oh, thank you. From my very limited experience, I've been reading The Black Crow Flies, and I've I've really enjoyed it so far. So, you know, first five pages. Here we go. Um, <laughs> so the challenge for this week is called Just Write. It's kind of a take back to our first challenge, which was just sit down and write. And now we're going back, sitting down, and editing. And that's why we asked you to join in, Lauren, because you've gone through the editing process in a couple different ways. And so we want to just kind of kick things off. How did you feel initially, like going into the editing process? What were your thoughts? Because obviously there's kind of a rush. I I know for me anyway, there's a rush when you finish a project and then you kind of realize, oh, I have to edit this. So what were your thoughts? Kind of what was your attitude going into it, I guess? Mm, Yeah. Oh, goodness. So the book I currently have out, The Black Crow Flies, that took me about five years to finish the first draft. Mm. And so I started it my like senior year in high school, and then I kept at it through college. But obviously, with college and everything, you don't quite have as much time. So it was kind of a slow process to get the first draft done. And so by the time I had finished the first draft, and I was like, okay, like I'm ready to kind of start going back through it and kind of self-editing, I knew there was a lot of work that had to be done just because it took five years to write. And so my writing style had changed. Mm-hmm where I had originally wanted the story to go had changed quite a bit. So there were parts that just didn't line up through the overall arc with my characters and the plot. And so kind of going into it, it was a little daunting just because I knew there was so much. And I was obviously very attached to it. You know, you kind of get attached to your your projects. and, And I was really happy with some of it. And but I knew it could be a lot better. So when I finished it, the Kind of the first thing I did was people say this and it's kind of hard to do, but you kind of, I kind of like let it sit for just a couple of weeks and to kind of give my brain a bit of a break. And then I kind of just dove head first. It was also during COVID when everything shut down. So I had a little bit more time on my hands then, but I kind of just dove head first after I let it sit for a couple of weeks, just started reading it from front to back again and kind of just marking the places where I felt like changes needed to be made or where I was like, oh, this actually kind of contradicts something later in the story. Mm. And early on, I was hesitant to change a lot. And so I actually only changed a little bit on my first self-edit, which then I ended up having to change a lot more later down the line after I sent it to beta readers. But on my first time, I was just kind of cleaning it up, making sure it made sense to me, I guess. Sure. So would that first run be more like grammatical edits less than plot and character edits? Yeah. So for me, the first time I did it, it was definitely not as much plot and character edits. This time when I'm self-editing the second book, 
um, kind of going through the first draft and self-editing it before I send it to beta readers. This time I'm going through and changing more character and development stuff, just making sure everything's consistent. Sure. I wish I would have done that more on my first pass for my first book, just because I ended up kind of editing a lot of stuff grammatically and like editing a lot of fine-tuned details, which ended up like a lot of those kind of passages that I find edited, which just ended up changing completely later uh, down the road because gotcha. I still needed to do a lot of developmental and character editing and I didn't on my first pass. So that's something I'm changing this time around is focusing more on the big picture during my first self-edit and then I'll get more down into kind of like the details. Gotcha. So I know the Violet author mentioned being part of your beta reader group for the second book, but kind of talk about the benefit of beta readers because Violet and I both use each other and others to beta read our stuff. But what's some of the benefits of using beta readers? Where do you find beta readers? And then how do you take feedback from them? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I initially started for my first draft, I did a couple of rounds of beta readers. The first time was right after I finished the first draft, kind of did a small self-edit pass. And then I actually found beta readers through a few different like online groups. I obviously sent it, I did send it to some family members and some really close friends. But I also wanted to get, I guess, completely unbiased feedback, right? Yeah, my yeah, friends yeah, and my yeah. family would give me good feedback. But also because when you know someone, you know, you also want to be kind and encouraging and sometimes that can kind of hold someone back from giving more honest feedback and some things that need to change and so i also wanted to get some like more anonymous beta readers and so for that i went on to a few different online groups this was before i had much of like a social media presence as an author so i didn't really have any following and so i went on the main two ones i did was i went on and i found some reddit groups they have like beta reader groups on reddit's like subreddits about that that you can go on and kind of post a little bit about you know what your story's about the genre the word count and then ask for beta readers and I also did some Facebook groups as well where it's a similar thing and where they'll have groups, you know, like, you know, beta readers for fantasy books and they'll have like thousands of members on there. And it's the same thing. Like you post a little bit about your story, kind of your word count and then like when you're looking for feedback. So like kind of like the time frame and I guess like if there's anything specific feedback that you want. So I wanted feedback on like specifically like character arcs and um, like the world building and just making sure everything was clear because I had so many moving pieces from the five years it took me to write it. So I right. just wanted to make sure everything was clear in that regard. Mm -hmm. And then when I sent it to them, I did it through Google Docs and just sent them each kind of a version. And I know there's kind of like this fear of like, well, what if someone like takes my work, you know, I'm sending them my whole manuscript. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so for me, I did do like I had them sign up on a on like a Google form and it was just kind of like a little kind of I guess like protection for me and it was just getting in like written format that that they agreed that like this was my work that they didn't have any rights to it and that they wouldn't share it with any friends or family members or anyone else and then that also kind of helps create a paper trail so that if you do have any problems down the road like you have protection over your work that way. I absolutely love that idea, the creating a, a safeguard. I I used to, as I've said before on the podcast, I used to write fan fiction and I'm shameless about it because I think it can be helpful when you're a young writer <laughs> to write fan fiction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had posted some works under a name that no one will ever find. <laughs> and I got a message from someone a few weeks later saying, hey, did you know somebody reposted your story and made minor edits? And it was true. Somebody had completely taken a one-shot story 
story I'd written and uploaded it with like minor detail edits and was getting much more traction on it. And thankfully, I messaged them. And just the fact that I caught them was enough for them to shut like everything down and apologize and be like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was doing. But it gave me an awareness of, yeah, there are some people out there who are a little bit scummy. And it's sad to say because we find the originality and the creation aspect to be enough. But some people don't. Some people mm-hmm. find other thrills. So definitely guard yourself when you're finding beta readers. I know for me, I use a Discord group specifically called The House. They're pretty cool. They've, they've shouted us out before. But there's other Discord groups out there. There's also on certain writing apps. I use Notebook AI. There's also the Campfire. Mm-hmm. They'll have communities there that will have pre-built in like the system C's that you've written it. And so if somebody was to try and take that and re-upload it, you could go into the system and be like, no, I can show you I shared it at this time at this date. Mm -hmm. So highly recommend if you have the money for it. There's also free trials, but websites called Notebook AI to find really cool groups of writers who are willing to support in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think writing in a group or writing in a community is, is, I think just doing life in general is great in a community, but writing in a community gives so many more eyes and so many more perspectives than just my own or just mine's and and Violet's. My wife mentioned on a couple episodes ago, that's the problem with when you get someone with so much shared experience, you don't see all of the other issues. Mm -hmm. So yeah, finding a good group, even if they don't become necessarily beta readers, but people who can pinpoint specific problems or, you know, if you send them like a a passage, they can go through that and analyze it and give feedback on it. It's really, really great. I have a question. This is just a random burning little question I've got for both of you. What do you guys do with old drafts? Do you save them or do you delete them? For me, I am a hoarder of drafts. I have them all labeled, but I'll find things and I'll be confused about to where they were or what the timeline is. But I don't want to delete them because my brain says that, oh, what if I reuse it someday? So what are your, what is your guys' policy on old drafts? Yeah, um, so I, I guess I'll go first. So so for my drafts, I also save every version of a, of a manuscript or a book that I write. And so when I did the Black Crow Flies, I wrote the first draft, which was a mess, <laughs> but I still have that saved. And when I started draft two and started to do more major rewrites, I created an, another document. And for me, I did that for kind of two reasons. One, to save just any old writing that may have been removed in the process that some of it I ended up did going back and using there are some elements of, that were in my original draft of book one that I now have in book two and so I was able to kind of reuse some of those scenes that ultimately didn't end up in book one but I've now been able to use them in book two or concepts and then also for me it just helped in the actual like drafting process of book two because what I could do this is especially true when I got down into further drafts when I was doing more fine editing just so I didn't miss anything I would like have my two documents side by side so like draft number five when I'd get ready to do draft number six like I'd open up a new document and then I would just start in the new document I'd like read through a chapter in draft five and I may copy and paste that chapter over into draft six and then I'd like fine tune it and edit it and it kind of helped me keep track of like the changes and also making sure I wasn't missing anything. I'm just doing it kind of like in small sections like that. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I keep most of my old drafts. I say most of because there's some there's some I just don't want to see the light of day, honestly. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the one I did for challenge number four, what's in a name, I'm actually kind of bummed I didn't keep my original draft from it. 
because I went through and wrote it, like free wrote it, and then went through and edited it. And I can probably find an older version of it, you know, through the Google Docs history or whatever. But some of the the minor tweaks, I just wish I could go back and look at because Mm. there's so much detail in that one. I think it would be really fun to look at them side by side and kind of see where I started and where I ended up. But for the most part, yeah, I try to keep all of my old drafts because like you said, Lauren, you can kind of go back in and find things, find elements of character arcs or whatnot that maybe you had to get rid of or delay, but you can still draw that material back out and use it in a future project. Mm -hmm. And then also a lot of my old writing helps get me inspired again. So I'll go back through and and reread and see where I was going originally. And even if that's not where I'm going currently, it kind of helps me keep going forward to be like, okay, there is so much I can do with this world. And even if it's not what I'm doing right now, I can still push on with it. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of my, nice. my thought. I, I love that. That's okay. I'm glad I'm not alone in my <laughs> draft hoarding nature. Maybe I just need to catalog it a little bit better so I can keep track of what was written when so I don't lose track of it. But I, yeah. Okay. Thank you. I have a dinosaur computer that yes, I had to Yes, I replace. can confirm. <laughs> Scribe's computer looks like it would be on the set of Stranger Things. This is, oh. this is the old one. The old computer. Oh, okay. I have a newer one now. Oh, you you thought anyway, oh. whatever. <laughs> I thought you. So I had I have an one. even worse computer than the one you you were thinking of. It's so old that you boot it up, and it is basically a space heater. It runs so hot. <laughs> oh. But there's so many documents on there, and they're all saved to rich text format, which tells mm-hmm. you a lot. Mm-hmm. Can you translate that for for those who may not know what rich text means? So most people write in Word, which saves to a Docs format, or Google Docs, which I don't know what that saves to. Rich text format is just is like an open source format that most apps can use and read, but it's not a default by any means. But yeah, I was using an open source word processor called Jart. It was honestly really great and I miss it. But regardless, that has file folders of like mm-hmm. a labyrinth, a dungeon, a, a descending, I don't even know how to describe it. Of An just, ecosystem. Yes, that's the <laughs> word I wanted. Of layers upon layers of old documents, drafts that I completely did away with and then rewrote and then did away with that one and... Yeah, so there's there's a lot there, and I've transferred some of it to my newer <clears throat> Stranger Things computer. <laughs> Trust me, you are not the only one who hoards old drafts. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about making the hard decisions in editing, because there's the literary term of killing your darlings, mm. which just means getting rid of the things that you love but don't help the story along. So kind of talk about that. Like, how do you bring yourself to cut something out that you really, really like and you don't want to let go? Oh, goodness. Or have you never had to do that? <laughs> I have. I had definitely have. Um, <laughs> so, wow. So for me, I, I struggle with this along every part of the, the writing journey. From my first draft to my current draft, it looks so different from what I originally wrote. Some of the plot generally follows the same story, I guess. And I have like, my main characters are the same, but who they are as characters are very different. Hmm. The end of the story is completely different. There's elements that are like crucial to my current version that didn't exist in the first one at all. 
And for me, it was really hard kind of early on when I sent it out to that first round of beta readers. I was really attached to like everything in the manuscript. And I think that's why when I did my first self-edit pass before I sent it to beta readers, I didn't change much because I was just so attached to everything in it. And so when I did send it out to the beta readers, I got some I got some hard feedback that was that was hard to swallow mm. that initially came back. And I was kind of like really protective over over certain things to the point where I had one beta reader that I don't know personally, but they were a little a little more harsh in some of the feedback that they gave. And a lot of the feedback was it was pretty valid, but there was a few parts that like I didn't understand or like that I think was just a little a little too harsh, a little bit, I guess a little bit more subjective and picky. Hmm. And because of that, I kind of just pushed all of their feedback off to the side. Yeah. When in reality, there were some things that they said that I really needed to adjust and change about certain scenes that just didn't make sense or like this character was acting very out of character and for me it was one of those things where I've heard the writing feedback like when it comes to sending it to beta readers and getting feedback about certain things where like if you send it to like five beta readers and like one of them mentions something or points something out then it'd be good to look at it but it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to change it because feedback is also subjective but like if two or three people are pointing it out then it's probably a bigger issue and it's probably something you need to change and look into That was kind of the rule of thumb I tried to stick to, but it was still really hard. And I didn't actually end up doing a lot of major rewrites until a good year after I finished my first draft. And that's when I had really let it sit long enough to where I could come back to it with like more fresh eyes and realize like, oh, this stuff, it's like I enjoyed writing it and it was still fun, but it just didn't fit with what I wanted the story to be and where I wanted it to go. And that's when it took almost a full year of kind of getting feedback and like rereading it multiple times to realize like I may have been happy with the draft, but I knew it could be better. And it was it was ultimately like that decision where I was like, this is good, but it could be better. And I want it to be the best it can be. And I know I can do better than this. That kind of really pushed me to kind of remove certain characters and scenes and kind of change how the story was going. And and I mean, it paid off in the end, to be fair, because you are now published. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen, it's been going very well. Yeah, I like to think so. (laughs) I know that my mom and I accidentally, uh, well, on purpose, I bought two copies. And then my mom did not know that I'd bought two copies and bought another two copies. (laughs) So we currently own four four editions of Lauren's book and I'm excited for Christmas time because I'm going to be able to gift out some some good literary fun for some of my friends. <laughs> While we're on this topic, I just kind of to throw a little something fun for your fans. Are there any scenes that you had to do away with that you really wish you could have kept? Scenes or characters like anything that you want to share that you wish you could have kept but didn't? Hmm. Ooh, yeah, I think so. That well, there's this is the tricky part because there's a lot of scenes and characters in book one in the first couple of drafts that did not make the cut for book one, but are now in book two. So there's oh. a little, there's a little bit of like, there's some. I'm gonna avoid any spoilers, but there's some sure. of my favorite characters that came in towards the end of book one initially are now like they're they're pretty major supporting characters in book two. But there's definitely some scenes I think that were in book one that I don't think are gonna be incorporated into future books. That I guess like that they're kind of like inside jokes or Easter eggs okay. with me and my husband that like we view as like this is canon even if no one knows it type of thing. Sure, sure. <laughs> So a lot, a lot of 
behind the scenes stuff. In my initial draft, I had five or six POVs, POV characters, point of view characters that I wrote from. And in my final draft, I narrowed it down to two. And so there's a lot of little Easter eggs that some of the characters in book one that in the initial drafts, you would have seen a little bit more in their head, I guess, and how they react Mm -hmm. to certain things. I think one of my characters, one of my side characters, who's another, I call them a high crow. She's an elite soldier of the king called Nikita. She's in book one a little bit, but in the initial draft, she was one of the POV characters for a few chapters. So there's some kind of like scenes that I wish people would have seen a little bit from her perspective. She's pretty, she's pretty sassy, pretty ruthless. It was just kind of fun to write from her POV that, that you don't quite get to see in book one anymore. But yeah, I love that. Well, once book two comes out and is published, we'll have to have you back. And then you can share what parts or what points of view from book two were actually supposed to be in yeah. book one. Mm-hmm. So um, oh, yeah, mark that in my calendar. <laughs> Yes. All right. I have a question for everyone here. For anyone that is starting the editing process and finding it really difficult to push through editor's block and finding it difficult to push through, do you guys have any tips for ways for people to jumpstart that process, even if they're anxious about it, if they feel blocked about it? I know for me, something that helped me a lot in editing my book out of time was printing it off. While seeing it on a screen can be very helpful with all the different formats, sometimes printing off a copy and being able to read it the way that people will read the book is very helpful, especially because I can write little notes in the margins, I can highlight things, and then as I go back and I'm looking at it and putting it back onto the screen, I can see even more things. So it's almost like two rounds of editing in my mind. So for me, that helped me a lot. Lauren, you mentioned taking a step back away from your book for a few weeks. How do you do that in a way that doesn't allow you to step away and forget about the story? Because I've had that problem before myself. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I completely second what you said about kind of printing it out and going through that. I've done that with multiple drafts. But in terms of like taking a break, kind of stepping away and still being present, I guess, in your story. For me, kind of stepping away, what that meant for me was like, I wanted to step away from kind of the draft or the document itself. So most of the time when I'm writing, when I'm working on a story, like I always have my document up on my computer, regardless of what I'm doing or what I'm working on. So I usually go to it pretty often. So when I was kind of taking a step back from it, I was still like, I'm definitely still thinking about it. I'm, I'm a huge internal processor. So sometimes I just needed that time to process things internally, think about my story. I usually like, I have a playlist of songs that remind me of my story. So I'd still be like listening to those and thinking of like different scenes or like ways things could go a little better. And then I would have like a document, like in my phone, like a notes document and like as things would come to me like oh you know what I need to fix this or oh this would make this scene so much better I would jot that down in the notes so I don't forget it but I wouldn't like rush to my document and try and write that out right then so that's kind of how I'd like take a step back from it but still have time to 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 process it and then kind of like when I get stuck in kind of like those editor's blocks like I'm stuck here like I know I get stuck in terms of I'll be in a part of the book and I'm like, I know this isn't what I want it to be, but I don't know how to get it to what I want it to be. Mm. And for me, again, because I'm a big internal processor, sometimes I can get wrapped up in my own head and I'll just be stuck on the same ideas over and over again. Mm. And so a huge part of my editing process is even though I'm typically not an external processor, sometimes I just have to talk things out. And so for me, I always encourage people to get like a writing buddy, like 
you obviously don't have to send like every draft that you're working on to beta readers, but even if you just have like one person, for me, it's my husband that will just talk things out in the car or like, hey, I'm really stuck on this scene. Even before we did this podcast recording, like we were talking about in book two, I'm working on like a critical moment in Blaze's character arc where I'm like, I know where he needs to be here, but I just want to make sure that it makes sense for him to get there. Mm And we just bounce ideas off each other. And sometimes, you know, the ideas my husband gives me are like way off the wall. And I'm like, okay, that's not quite what I want. (laughs) But it did make me think of this instead. So what if we explore this? And just kind of taking time to step back and being being willing to let go of maybe what I already have outlined. If it's not working to explore other options, like that's a huge one to just kind of step back and be like, okay, if none of this was here, what are some other options we could do to get where I want to be? So, oh, yeah, I can't impress enough how important it is to have somebody else around that you can brain dump onto mm-hmm. when you're when you're stuck. I know that scribes that person for me. Also, my mother, she's very helpful, especially for long car rides for that. So I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about you, scribe? Do you have any tips for people who are struggling with editor's block? Uh, that's really hard. I I'm not the best at editing. I don't want to say I'm bad at it because I have done it and I can do it. But I am not the best at editing. I would say what helps me is like like both of you have said, you know, taking a step back for a little bit so you can come back to it with fresh eyes. The way that I do a lot of my instead of printing it out, I'll actually just read it out loud in my document. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. It's really helpful. I hate it because it will let you hear what people will be reading it as and it's laborious it's tedious it makes you hate your writing but it makes your writing so much better Mm -hmm. so that's probably one of the biggest ones i would say if you are having trouble with the editing whether it's you know killing your darlings or being really ruthless with your editing i would say make a second document and keep some of those things in there. And you can just keep that as your own secret treasure chest, like an alternate universe of what mm-hmm. could have been. <laughs> and then in the actual timeline of the book that you're writing, be as ruthless as you want. Just cut everything. I'd say that kind of, you can try and soften the blow a little bit yeah. that way. But yeah, editing is no joke. Editing is really hard, but it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. The The biggest edit I'm working through right now is the realism of a magical power in one of my stories. A lot of my first draft was very like Dungeons and Dragons, off the wall, magic and all this kind of stuff. And now I'm coming back to it being like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it was fun to write. And in some ways it was fun to read, but but trying to make it more realistic is has been difficult, but it's worth it. You know, going back and reading what I have now, it just it's so much more fun and so much more full what I had initially. So, yeah. Well, we are winding down, but do you have any other questions? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I mean, Lauren, do you have any questions for us? We are not published, but we have been writing for a while and and we'd love to hear any any concepts that you want to pitch to other fellow writers. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, goodness. Ooh. <laughs> I hope that did not make me sound pretentious. Like, what questions do you have for us, uh, <laughs> fa- fellow famous person? Is... <laughs> oh, no, you're good. You're good. That's a good question. I mean, I'm always interested in hearing what other people are working on, you know, and I know, Violet, I've had the pleasure of hearing or reading some of your snippets of your stuff before. But yeah, I guess... Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm always open to hearing what is there something in your guys's current works in progress that you're kind of especially really excited to like dive into and kind of write more. Well, Scribe is currently working on a massive series. If you want to go ahead and launch into that. 
Oh, here we go. So the one I'm working on is called Adventures in Fantasy, and it is a multi-POV, multi-style, mm-hmm. short mm-hmm. story series telling a couple different overarching arcs. So I've plotted out the second arc because that's where I started. Basically what happened was I got the challenge to write a story about magical tattoos. Oh. And so that led me to writing about pirates and an agency that kind of proctors magic and the usage of magic. And so the second arc that I've just about finished, there's like one or two stories that I need to write to really flesh out everything that happens in it starts with spelling ink tattoo shop and ends in absolution which only i think three people have read so far because it's not out anywhere spelling ink is though and so what i'm really excited to dive into is going back to the first arc which is also mostly plotted there's still some details that i'm not quite certain on but that one focuses more on the agency that i was talking about and its arc because there are secrets that are revealed as one of them chesterfield is kind of doing his job he starts to realize that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than he realized and so it's kind of him diving into that and dealing with the ramifications of what he finds and then the closing of that arc kind of leads into where the characters are for the start of the second arc so there's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of like bouncing back and forth between back and forth in time where it like goes back and follows chesterfield and what he's doing and then jumps forward and follows t who's the tattoo artist and his best friend tinker and this this duo who drive around in a renovated vw called the jeopardy who think that being in jeopardy is the safest place of all so it's a lot of really fun characters so i'm really excited to dive back into that first arc that i was talking about fleshing that out, finishing it, and then preparing up for the third arc, which probably will be a project I'll take on later. Was that the series you were talking about? Yes, that that was the one I was talking about. You can read it on scrubofworlds.com, my website. It's in the Adventures in Fantasy it's really a great place to to go if you're a person who doesn't have time to sit down and read a full novel right now if you're in a busy part of life because it's all a bunch of short stories and i Mm -hmm. wouldn't say that any of them would take longer than half an hour to an hour to read yeah the longest one i've written is 14 pages and that's well over the average typically it's maximum seven pages it was only 14 pages because it was like this guy's entire backstory and mental anyway it's a whole it's a whole thing <laughs> what about you violet for me my my baby right now is out of time which is a time traveler murder mystery that is all set in one night where a group of previous friends come together to mourn the loss of one of their own each chapter is from another character's perspective going through everyone that is attending the event and ends with the answer of who really killed Violet. And if you might hear that that's my name, it's because that I started my nomenclature off of this character who has perished in one of my books. So it's kind of funny to me anytime I talk about it because I'm talking about who killed me. (laughs) But Yes, I, I'm very proud of it. I've got a lot of elements that I've added into it, like pages that you're supposed to tear out of the book, perforated pages, so that you can read side by side a police report and match up against evidence. And I, I've got a lot of hopes and plans and dreams for it, and it's going to be a short novella. So be on the lookout for that eventually, because it's halfway done, and I, I really want to publish it. I really do. So that's <laughs> that's what I'm working on right now. Those are both awesome. I love hearing about, like, those are both so cool. I'll definitely have to check out the Scribe of 
Worlds website you got there. And then I'm so excited, Violet, about yours too. Like those are both such interesting ideas in terms of the the writing style. And it's just, it's so unique. I'm, I'm really excited about both of those. So to close this out, um, Lauren, why don't you go ahead and do your shameless plug? Where can we find your book and where can we find and follow you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find my book, The Black Crow Flies, pretty much online, wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Books A Million, um, any of those sites. And then you can also get signed copies from my website, which is lbperdan.com. And then you can also find me on social media. I'm mostly active on uh, TikTok. You can find me under, oh goodness, I believe it's Lorenziano. But if you just look up LB Perdan, you can find me there. And then my Instagram handle and my Twitter handle and threads and everything is all author LB Perdan. So I'm pretty active on all of those. You can come find out more about my book, kind of the projects I'm writing, more behind the scenes of my writing process. And then if you're interested in my book, it's a young adult fantasy, book one of a trilogy. And it follows two characters, Blaze and Catrice, who were childhood best friends, but they are now grown and on opposite sides of a country crumbling into war. So it deals with their journey kind of finding each other again. It deals with a lot of themes of kind of the dangers of hate and how powerful forgiveness can be. And understanding um, each other's sides. So that's a little bit about my book and me. That's really great. I'm even more excited to finish it. So yeah, go ahead. We'll have links to all of those to the website and to the book, the description below. So go ahead and check those out. Support self-published. And then like, you know, we we always say, go ahead and uh, pop over to Instagram or TikTok and follow Lauren there. Uh, you can also check out The Violet Author and I on Instagram. I'm at Scrub of Worlds. And then The Violet is at The Violet Author. And then go ahead try out editing. Like we've all said, it's not easy, but it's really worth it. And doing it on something that's probably a little bit shorter and a little bit easier to work with, which is one of the challenges that we've done so far, you know, just give it a go, see how it goes. And maybe you might love it. Yeah. Uh, And always, if you need beta readers, please, please, please reach out to the Violet author or Mm -hmm. I, and we will happily read what you've got and and give you some comments. And a reminder that your your submissions do not have to be public. If you're working with Mm -hmm. submissions that you're still a little bit anxious about sharing, you can DM us or you can email us. And we would be happy to look at it ourselves, Scribe and I, and give you some quiet personal feedback. So don't feel like you have to be out there and vulnerable. Not quite yet if you're not ready to be. Have fun editing and wander well. Bye!